Welcome back to the Incessant Buzz. I am Ken, and I'm still sorry for your luck for you if you're listening to this. Uh, forgive me, everybody. Uh, you may hear some background noise, a uh, little music. Uh, it sounds like it's coming from a child's toy. You may hear my youngest son squeaking and squealing and screeching. Um, quite frankly, he probably not gonna lie. He, uh, I'm watching him while my wife is out getting our other son, Harrison, my older boy, a haircut. Uh, because he looks like he's uh, turning into a little girl almost. I digress. Not that bad, but it's uh, long and unruly. So I would also uh, like to kind of start off here uh, with an apology to everybody. On a different note, uh, forgive me for not having gotten, you know, gotten this going again uh, for as long as I have. I meant to do this kind of on a certain day of the week, and uh, it's kind of gotten away from me. Um, life is busy. I have, again, two unruly children. So on and so forth. Life gets in the way, yada, yada. Nothing ever works out the way we want it to. So, again, I apologize. Um, I'll try to do better in the future. I'm just happy to be able to get back to this. Um, I'd also like to take a moment, uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, in our, my last episode, um, as, as being a metalhead, um, I'd just like to take a moment and talk about, uh, the tragedy that has, has struck the metal scene, um, and it seems as though it's really, uh, shaken it to the core, to its core. Um, Trevor, I'm going to butcher his last name, Stranad, I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, lead singer of the Black Dahlia, or Black Dahlia Murder, however you'd like to pronounce that, um, has had taken his own life. Uh, I want to say that was either yesterday or day prior. can't recall entirely. Um, terrible, terrible blow. Um, 41 years of age. Not sure what he's leaving behind. Nothing's really been mentioned in what I've read uh, family-wise. I know he leaves behind his bandmates, obviously. Um, but this sounds to me very similar to uh, kind of uh, what happened with Robin Williams. Um, kind of the uh, sad clown syndrome, if you'll uh, you know allow me to use that phrase. Um, because as far as I understand, this this was uh, you know much revered and highly highly beloved uh, individual, uh, jovial, hilarious, intelligent, the whole gamut, you know. Um, very sad day, and, and and I'm you know I'm struck by it. It's it's terrible. Um, I used to see him, you know, um, little uh, little brief things they do in certain magazines that I was reading. Um, I believe it was Revolver. Um, and then on uh, satellite radio, this on uh, Liquid Metal, um, he had a brief blurb he would do. Um. I don't know how long ago that was or how long the blurb was. It wasn't usually terribly long, but it was just a little bit of a, you know, antidote or whatever. Uh, not antidote. Oh, my God. Anecdote. Forgive me. It's been a day. Um, and he would kind of, uh, you know, talk about whatever and then kind of uh, touch on uh, kind of an underground metal band. You know, he was kind of the uh, ambassador for the underground, I guess. Um, you know, just... It's too bad. It, it, it's really, really, really too bad that something like this has to happen uh, again and again and again. It's, it seems to be, you know, almost almost endless of late. Um, 
I know his bandmates posted on Twitter, Instagram, probably most of the socials, and uh, phone number for the uh, National Suicide Hotline or whatever the, it is in the, the United States. Um, I'm not sure what we have in Canada. All I want to say is this. If you are dealing with anything of the sort, whether whether you know it's it's just ideations or or you know you've you've come down to you know the finality of the the plan or even if even if something is driving you to the brink of of you know your breaking point please i beg of you from the bottom of my heart um you know my family uh, extended family has seen this more than once as well i beg of you please reach out if you're able um there is always somebody there that will listen that will try to get you know guide you back from the abyss and 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 i beg of you 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 leave more of a hole than you know or will leave i forgive me if if you go through with something of that sort um i i can't begin to imagine I, i've had loss in my life young old and otherwise i don't know other than um a young cousin many moons ago who i didn't really know well um i haven't had you know too many suicides in my life and i've been fortunate in that regard but um you know, I, I can't imagine the, the impact alone on family um, and friends, you know. So please, I beg of you, you know, again, whatever you're going through, know that there's always somebody there to listen, to help, to, to you know, try to, try to, you know, be there for you. Um, back to what I was going on about last week uh, with my eldest son. We... Uh, um, and for those of you just, you know, kind of, I don't know why you would start on episode two, kind of a dumb thing in my mind, but hey, you do you, you know, it's your choice. Um, my son has a rare genetic disorder known as GM1 gangliocytosis, cytosis, again, I'll pronounce it however I like, and I'll give you two, because some people say it one way and some the other. Uh... We are now dealing with our our team in Calgary. Well, I say our team, but I mean the team in Calgary, the Metabolics team. Um, but they're not really getting too hands-on at the moment. He's not so far along that they're necessary quite yet. Um, and I'm not saying so far along like end of life. Uh, but they will get more involved as Harrison starts to lose more functionality um i'm sure once an ng or g tube become um part of his daily routine uh there are no medications that are viable right now we kind of discussed one um and it, it myglostat or meglostat there's another name for it i didn't catch it i think that was the uh off-label name uh that that said it's not not going to be beneficial to a soon-to-be two-year-old. Um, it sounded as though, one, he'd have to go on a dairy-free diet. and I mean, we try to do as much as we can to prevent lactose in his diet anyhow. It doesn't seem to agree with him. It could just be, you know, a phase. It could be his digestive system. It could be his metabolism. We don't know, really, but he does kind of get gross. So whether it's lactose intolerance or not, I don't honestly know. Um... He would also experience, from side effects from this medication, bloating and diarrhea, um, which is 
not anything anybody wants for their child, nor is it, um, you know, optimal for the child, obviously. I mean, the, the discomfort, especially for a, ch a child who, who, like, again, has very limited functionality, uh, mobility-wise, inability to really communicate how distressed he is and whatever else, other than crying. Um, yeah, no, it's it's not, it wasn't a viable option. So, and, and a lot of um, red tape to kind of cut through as well with that, so... That is, uh, that is that. We don't really have anything to work with other than to ride out the storm. However long that may be. And we're going to just continue to go day by day. We're going to give him a life, the life he deserves that we can only, you know, we can offer him. Um, and we'll try to, we'll try to do our best, make some memories and you know, if something comes up between, you know, now and 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 his final final moments, whenever that may be, I pray that it does. Well, <laughs> facetiously say pray. But I do really hope that something can come down the pipe and we can get him some help. I, I don't know that it would, in the grand scheme of things, really be that effective. Um, what I didn't mention last go-around was well, he has this buildup of the gangliosides. Um, it's also creating white matter in the brain, which basically creates or causes brain damage. So he's not... He's not fucked <laughs> in the head. Uh, and I forgive me, it's a very piss-poor way of saying that. He's not, but... Um, he he will have he will have some problems, um, more than most, you know, especially if there is any amount of brain damage there. So, um, are you saying hello, little boy? That's that would be Grayson. He says hi uh, from the distance, and by distance I mean a whole six feet from me. Um, that's where we're at. So we're looking at that. You know, obviously palliative care has been mentioned and. Um, so on and so forth, which is tough. Uh, it's, 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 you know, these, these, um, kind of conversations of finality that really, you know, and, and eventuality that are really becoming, um, bothersome and irksome, uh, truth be told. Um, I still, I, I, uh, when was that? One night before last, I do believe I put my son to bed, Harrison. And as I was trying to put him to bed, I, I could only do in, there was nothing I could do, pardon me, uh, but just hold him in a, you know, a fairly tight embrace. And I, I wept, I wept and I apologized because I don't know what to do. And that's the problem. And I feel, I feel so terrible because I, no one would ever choose something like this for their child. It's it's just, it's ungodly to think that, you know, a poor poor little guy, um, would be stricken down with basically a wasting disease that would see you know him, you know, not live out a full life. So with that all said, um, we don't we'll try not to look to the future. We'll look to the now. We'll enjoy what we can. We have a birthday party for him coming up. So that will be good. Um, hopefully, you know, friends and family and pool party. Uh, so that'll be interesting. 
Anyhow, getting away from that, because I don't terribly uh, enjoy having to talk about it, uh, but I do feel the need to, only in so much that it helps me to vent and and just kind of have, you know, this as that outlet. Um, I'd like to touch on something else, I guess. Um, and something I didn't really touch on last go-round, but as is listed in the description, um, I did mention, you know, talk of trauma and, and mental illness and the like. Um, I don't think I'll touch so much on trauma. It may come and go in this conversation. Uh, but I think I will kind of uh, try to comment on the mental illness side of things. I like to try to be an ambassador for that. Um, I, uh, I have had, or have been dealing with anxiety for a great many years. This, this is my, my mental illness, if you will, um, crippling as it can be, uh, medicated beyond, well, not beyond belief, but very medicated as I am right now. Um, it is not all consuming and it is not, you know, keeping me, um, keeping me down and causing me any sort of problems. Um, I'm trying to remember really when it all started, but I, I think it was mostly as a child. I think I, I'm one of those people like many with, with anxiety who feels the weight of the world on their shoulders and can't seem to get away from that. Or at least I did. Um, it's it's one of those things. It just you, you feel weighed down. You feel the effect of everything going on around you. You overthink absolutely everything. Um, you know, swirling thoughts, endless, nonstop, just chatter in your head. That that it, and it's just this obscene, almost narration, if you will. And it's just awful. Um. Not only that, but with the nervousness that stems from it, you know, not being able to, you know, properly talk to people, not being able to, um, you know, really live your life and whatnot to its fullest potential because, um, you know, you, your nerves get the best of you and and you just, you know, um, it, it is it is something that, uh, you know, it, it almost is like it has a grasp on you. Um, and it just, you can't shake it. You can't get away from it. And it's, it's, it's a terrible feeling. I won't lie. I, I've, I've, um, gone on for years. Like I say, had gone on, forgive me for years dealing with it, you know, just not being able to face things head on, just always a wreck. Um, and certain things in my life would set it off more than others. Uh, finances, you know, um, didn't help that I was piss poor with my money and would squander it, but finances, finances would set me off in a bad way to the point where I was ready to call it quits. Um, you know, the lack of ability to communicate with people um, properly, especially the the opposite sex. You know, for me, dating up until I met my wife. Dating was very difficult. Uh, I couldn't keep a long-term relationship. I, um, I couldn't even really talk to women that easily. Um, it was it was one of those things of 
um, just just fear of rejection mostly, but it, it just it's it's so hard to explain, and yet it should be so simple. But it it is one of those things where, um, especially with rejection, because you just you overthink it initially, because you're trying to do all this future thinking. You're trying to play out how this conversation is going to go in your head. You're trying to, you know, um, come up with excuses not to do it for the simple fact that it's just you know going to crush you almost in a sense and i found that it was easier not to be bothered than to um than than to try to uh, you know make these attempts to to uh, try to find somebody um couple that with uh you know again financial woes like i, I didn't i you know I would piss away money easily and, and didn't have, you know, a pot to piss in or a window to throw it from for a long time. Um, I lived in my best friend's basement for a decade, and I, I do not, um, you know, uh, exaggerate when I say that. It was 10 years that I lived in his basement plus. Um, it just it just was difficult. And, I mean, even, like, with all this online dating and whatnot, you, it, you don't know what you're getting half the time, you know. You could get catfished. You, you might not. Um, you know, and and um, it was easier for me to, especially in that regard, find one night stands. You know, uh, fuck them and forget them. And it, awful, awful way of thinking. But at the time, it's what worked because I it was fight or flight almost all the time. Um, and flight was easier than fight. You know. Um, So with that, you know, it just it was a matter of of just not being able to. It was easier to to hole up, to hide, to not deal with things, um, and and carry you know carry on. Um, irritability and anger. Oh my God, would I I would go zero to a thousand in the blink of an eye um, if something bothered me. Um, and I, 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 it's funny because I say I had all this fear and, and, and this anxiety, but it's hand in hand, apparently. Um, and I, I guess, you know, having looked back on it, it definitely was what was causing it. Um, because you, you, you bottle up a lot of, a lot of emotions. Um, and, and you just, you know, you try to swallow it, you try to absorb it, you can't. It's just not a thing. It just, just doesn't happen that way. Um, I would go off like C4 and I uh, again do not embellish or exaggerate when I say that it I would go from happy go lucky jovial to literally yelling at the top of my lungs at people uh for saying the wrong thing because it just rubbed me the wrong way they caught me on the wrong day and that was the end of it and they got the wrath and then I would disappear I would go punch something as I would because I would be on Adrenaline for you know ten minutes after basically just fuming, um, and and um, it was terrible. It was it was an ugly side of me. I didn't I hate it and I couldn't stop. And I know a lot of people were like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. I have a temper about me. I can't stop this. It is an ugly, ugly thing, and I and I wish I could stop it, but I, I didn't know how." And, you know, some people, oh, you need anger management. Well, do I, though? Talk to me on the best of days. And I'm, not, I'm happy-go-lucky. So on the odd occasion that I snap, 
Do I need anger management? Maybe. Currently, no. Do I get irritable? Who doesn't? Let's be frank. You're you're not human unless you you're feeling that emotion in in a plethora of others. Let's be honest. Um. Fast forward a great many years, uh, and I believe it was 2007. I'd moved back to southern Alberta, um, Lethbridge area, further south than I was in here. I was in Lethbridge. I was working at a call center, um, dealing with Comcast customers. So we were an outsourced company. That That's what I was working for, and that's what we were doing. We were outsourced by Comcast to field their troubleshooting calls for both um, television and internet. And I was on the internet side of things. And the job started out all right. I was managing. I was getting by. I was going to work. Everything was fine. But as time went on, and as it got harder, um, maybe not harder, but but it just... When you deal with angry women and men from South Chicago at, I think they're an hour ahead. I think they're central, so 10 o'clock their time. So 9 o'clock our time, my time, mountain standard. Um, it's difficult, especially when you're being berated by them or they're just, they're, you know, losing their mind because their internet doesn't work at 10 o'clock at night, well, you know. Um, in South Chicago. And then for those of you that don't understand, not a great area of Chicago. No technician is going to go out at that hour. No technician in Canada goes out at that hour. It doesn't matter where you are. Nobody leaves their home to go out to do trouble work or troubleshooting or field a trouble call unless it's like something, you know, it's it's their head end. It's it's um something, you know, grand has happened in in the scheme of it all. Um, so, you know, it, it just, these things would wear and they would wear and they would wear. And eventually it got to a point where I was starting to have, um, panic attacks and it would come to the point where I was starting to have the suicidal ideations because I couldn't bear it any further. I, I, I had, I'd had it. I was calling in sick all the time. I was miserable. I had no money, nothing to my name, you know, that sort of steal everything, just culminating, building, you know, getting ugly. And finally I'd go see a doctor about this and, you know, explain to her, this is where I am. This is what's happening. Uh, and I didn't have my own, uh, family doctor at the time. So it was all walk in. Um, and this, this is what I'm in, enduring, you know, or dealing with. And eventually she put me on a cocktail of medication that, um, it worked for a while. Um, and then I found once I left that place, uh, and got away from it, um, it was finally then that I saw that that place was just killing me, um, and so eventually I would quit the medications. Um, not the sleep medication necessarily. I've always had problems with that. Uh, but they had me on... It was anti-schizophrenia medication apparently. But it was great for sleep. I want to say that was called Seroquel. Uh, for any of those of you that have had it, taken it, been on it, know of it, you know it... Uh, yeah, it works. 
So from 2008, when I left, up until it would have been 2015, I believe, um, there was a period there where I didn't take the medication. And I didn't feel any worse for it. Um, I felt good. Everything was good. 2008, no, pardon me, forgive me. 2008, I started a new job with um, my current employer. Um, not that I want to mention who that is, but that's who I started with. Um, so 2015, I would take on a new role on the crew I was on, which was more responsibility. That was my summer position. In the winter, um, I would end up working for another fellow within this corporation and he was insane uh, that's as far as I'm going to go with that maybe I'll touch on it a bit more I don't know I want to get back to the summer though the summer was terrible um, I wasn't sleeping and I don't actually I don't think I at that point I didn't have anything for sleep I was taking melatonin I was taking um, you know over the counter sleep medications that weren't really working um They'd put me out, and then I would wake up at 3 in the morning uh, and practically sit right up in bed and go, holy crap, why am I wide awake? And then not get to sleep until, you know, half an hour before I had to be at work. Or not at work, before I had to get up for work, sorry. So I did that for a while, most of the summer really, and I, and I was just, I was, I, I wouldn't sleep because of the anxiety, and the pills just would not, um, you know, drown out you know my my inner inner problems or voices or whatever you want to call it um as well as i'd hoped um so i went through that that summer very miserable emotional angry human being um i was treating my work partner very terribly at the time um he'd just kind of gotten on with our crew and I was an absolute bastard to him, I won't lie. I, I, I was fucking miserable working with him. Um, because he was new to, to everything. And he thought he knew better. And he was just always, let me get my ass in the way and I'm going to do the job. And you just never mind. And it was like, no, no, this is, this is my role. You need to be the one to learn what you're doing and mind your own business and hand me the fucking tools. But it didn't go like that. So we get through that that summer. Everything's hunky dory, sort of. Work wise, everything was okay. Winter comes, and I swore up and down the fellow that I was working for in the winter I would never work for. Um, I I had said a thousand times over, I couldn't put a price on my mental health. Apparently, I could because January, I believe, of the f following year. Um, because somebody had left that crew and there was a spot open. Uh, I applied. Actually, there were two spots, if I remember correctly. Um, another person had uh, gotten on at the same time I had, which was later in the season. Um, I would get on with this and, and, and come to find, just prior to starting, that I was losing my mind. Um, just with the knowledge that I was going to have to work for this guy because I hadn't worked for him. And I knew his reputation as being just a big, ball-busting asshole. Nothing was ever good enough for him. You, did, you could never do enough work. And then the wind would change. And so would his, you know, 
his his demeanor and his opinion and everything else, and then he'd try to you know applaud you for doing good work or tell you you were he knew you were doing a good job. It was it was fucking wild, um, just ludicrous too. To you know, gotta think that's seven years ago. Between then and now, not much has changed in regards to work standards, um, in so much that you shouldn't have to be uh, belittled, uh, berated, made to feel you know, like shit about the job you're doing or not doing or whatever. But he would find a way because he was just a miserable prick. So that winter I would start taking medications again because I would have to go to my doctor. I would have to tell him that, you know, my anxiety was um, at an all-time high. It was impacting my job. It was causing me to lose sleep, so on and so forth. So, I got on a new medication. I've never taken it before. I don't know it. That's all hunky-dory. Um, he puts me on a medication for sleep as well. Uh, I'm not going to remember what it was called, but if for any of you that have taken sleep medication, the little blue oval. You know, the one that makes your mouth taste like metal. The one that uh, might as well work like horse tranquilizers and, and knock you flat out and uh, you wake up ultimately groggy in the morning. Um, they didn't work. I would go down hard, um, you know, and take it half an hour before bed, and by the time I was going to bed, um, I was half zombified. Then, I would wake up at three in the morning, wide awake, laying in bed going, why the fuck is this happening again? Apparently, certain medications just don't work. And aren't any good for people either. Because that one was, as I've come to find out over the years, um, highly addictive and, and, and uh, would give you know, you would uh, eventually have this drug or uh, dependency. Um, eventually he would get me on Trazodone, which is a little uh, pink, you know, circle with a, you know, line in it that helps you to snap the pill in half. That has worked beautifully for... I don't remember if, I believe it was, it was either in 2015 or early 2016 when I started on that. Um, I can't remember what I was on prior to what I'm on now for daytime for my, you know, full day mental state. Um, started at a low dose and then he upped the dose. It was a little white pill if I remember, but it wasn't anything like sertraline or anything like that. It, I can't, I'll be damned if I can remember. Uh, I would end up on Effexor XR, and he started me low, 75 mil, milligrams, I believe. We'd bump it up to 150, and eventually I found 150 was not the magic number, um, and I was still having anger issues, rage issues, you know, the whole bit. So... <laughs> In turn, what would I do? I would uh, I would self-medicate in this regard. I would up my own dose. I would take double. And I started that on a weekend. And for that weekend, I was bonkers. I was all over the map. I was all energy. I was wired for sound. I, I was bouncing off the walls. That serotonin boost, oh my god. What a fucking gong show. But as I would level out... I would find that was the dose I needed to be on. I feel good. 
forgive me, felt good and currently feel good because I'm still on that dose. It was fantastic, and it is fantastic. Um, you know, and again, still taking trazodone, but I've knocked that back to half. It's 25 milligrams instead of um, 50, you know, to uh, help me sleep. And I mean, I pretty well sleep through the night, save for, you know, a bit of crying that goes on in the night or in the early morning that wakes me up. But uh, usually I'm, I'm comatose with that. Um, that notwithstanding... I've I've had conversations time and again about what I'm on or that I'm on medication with people. And they say, well, wouldn't you like to live your life without it? Wouldn't you like to live your life normally? And I said, well, no, normal would be nice. But I don't live normally. I don't have that chemical makeup. And if I have to take three pills every day for the rest of my life to lead that normal life, well, I find that to be, uh, you know, a far cry... Uh, from your state of normal, and I'll I'll live that life, because what I do, what I was living before was a nightmare. I was a monster. I was an awful human being, um, and I won't go back to that. I won't, especially now uh, for my family. You know, not that I'm saying I'm gonna ever go off the medications or would have, regardless of my family, but. Uh, especially now, though, I, I just I need to be uh, able to, you know, help them and, and be, you know, clear-minded as well as clear as can be. Um, there are days where I live in the haze and it's it's difficult, but there are other days where everything's hunky dory. Um, I really hope and pray, um, you know those who deal with and I, I also have a bit of seasonal depression um, but that was also getting worse in the last last little while especially when we were in Toronto um, you know or, well actually it was getting worse in December after I found out what was going on with Harrison um, it was um, it was awful and I, I could feel myself kind of spiraling and and just Losing, losing interest in a lot of things, and always blue and just down and you know down and out sort of feeling like like you know I just I didn't have it to give and I just couldn't find it to give and and for those of you who who know depression, I mean it might not sound like I was going through it as badly as I was, but couple the trauma with that, you know that blow that we took. And you'll understand fully that there was a lot more going on with that depression than than just what I'm kind of, you know, uttering now. Forgive me, I need a slurp of coffee. Um, I would find with the depression that I can manage. Um... Mostly because of the medication again, because Infexor does, you know, a great number of things for, for one's mental well-being. And, uh, you know, that was, that was to my benefit, I guess. Um, unfortunately it, it did work, but, you know, it's, it's hard to get your head out of your ass. And I say that 
ingest more than anything because I'm not saying my head's up my ass when I'm dealing with this stuff, but it just feels that way. But it's hard to, you know, get out of that that feeling, um, you know, without that help. And, and I, I, I see a counselor. I've been seeing a counselor for some time. Um, uh, unfortunately, it's been all video calls of late uh, because of COVID. Um, and again, that doesn't help anybody's mental well-being either. But uh, yeah, no, with, with, with her help and with medications and just knowing and being cognizant of what I'm going through, knowing what I'm dealing with, um, you know, I've kind of been able to, uh, I wouldn't say rise above it, but, but definitely deal with it in a better way than, than normal. Um, I, I try to explain to people, if you're dealing with these things, it's not what defines you. Do not let it define you. Do not let it shackle you you know, you, you can come out of this, you can, there's always a way, but you've got to be willing, and, and, um, having a background with some other issues that I will touch on, um, you know, maybe in the next episode, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be, um, you know, cognizant of these things to see, what's going on and, and to reach for help because you can't help those that aren't willing to help themselves or reach for the help or, or ask for the help or whatever. Um, and I, and I, for a while there was, you know, the denial and the guilt and whatever else, it just, I felt stupid. But now I can safely say without a shadow of a doubt, I'm a better person for having tried to go through all of this to try to remedy this as best I can. Um, I just... I struggle with the notion of just sitting on my hands, just letting letting all of it become so consuming that it just literally floors me or I, or I you know, go off the deep end and do worse. And now I have so much to live for, and that's that's where I'm at. So you know, it's it's all the more important to continue on the course that I am. So I I I absolutely plead um, with all of you, anyone that's willing to listen to this, to the podcast, even to this advice, please do not hesitate. Again, in much akin to, you know, the the suicidal ideations and thoughts or whatever. With depression, with with anxiety, with even you know other other mental illness like bipolar disorder or you know ADHD or ADD or manic depressive, be always know that there is somebody there that will try to help you, and always know that there is something in place, whatever the case may be. And I understand for a lot of us, I'm I'm fortunate to have a, a plan at work that allows me to get the counseling and you know the uh, prescription drug benefits and whatnot i know a lot of this stuff isn't affordable um psychiatry if for some uh who who do use psychiatrists is exorbitant um psychologists as well um a counselor is a, a licensed psychologist as far as i know um and i i couldn't fathom having to pay her out of pocket solely based on the fact that it's nothing is viable right now um in any way you know we're dealing with all of this uh um what am i trying to say um 
inflation and everything else in the world. Not viable. So again, please, I beg of you, reach out. Know that there are others. Know that it doesn't have to define you. Find what works. All right? That all said, I'm going to sign off now. This is, uh, this is the end for me for today. Um, next episode, I will touch on some other issues that have gone on in my life uh, that I've dealt with and my family has dealt with um, for a great number of years, uh, both parents and myself. So that's where I'm at, and that's where we're going. Thank you if you did listen, and, uh, you know, encourage others to... Uh, to give it a shot. Not the worst thing you could do with your day. And I mean, it's less than an hour. And maybe it'll help. Maybe it won't. It is the incessant ramblings of a madman, essentially. Take care, everybody. Hug your children. I mean that. And, uh, you know, be well, be safe. And take you just be there for one another. And uh, until next time, everybody.